Yes, indeedy. Welcome to the Upful Life Podcast. I'm your host, B. Getz, and this is episode number 32, coming at you live and direct from Isolation Station in the Sierra Nevada foothills of Northern California. And I've been waiting a long time to roll this one out, fam. So grateful you are tuning in. And we're back on the Up For Life podcast, episode 32, Isolation Station, volume 4. And this podcast is proudly brought to you by Path to Panacea Tea, or Luminosity, pathtopanacea.com, P-A-T-H-T-O-P-A-N-A-C-E-A.com, Path to Panacea, or Path, the number 2, Panacea on Instagram. You can also find and shop Path to Panacea Luminosity on Etsy. So check out the Etsy shop. They just rolled out some fantastic new immune boosting tea blends. The herbs are delightful infused as tea, but will also include instructions for making your own botanical medicines for the do-it-yourselfers out there. And great gifts for loved ones near and far. And as I mentioned last week, essential Uh, due to the current coronavirus and uh, attention to our immune systems. This is just right on time. So you can check out the menu on their Etsy page. The blends are Immunity, Respiratory Revival, Inhale Love, Exhale Gratitude, Wellness Wonderment, Sea Bomba, and the Lettuce-inspired Vibe Up. Now, Path to Panacea is run by my lovely fiance Alicia. She's a certified holistic nutritionist and a consultant, real food educator, and she's been on a mission with Path to Panacea uh, to enhance the vitality of future generations by empowering families to explore positive practices, producing more mindful, adventurous eating habits to cultivate a lifetime of health. Path to Panacea, y'all. Life Podcast, Episode 32, Isolation Station, Volume 4. I want to thank all of my previous guests, uh, 
over the last few episodes on the Isolation Station series for taking time out of their quarantine and their routine to check in with the Up For Life podcast and share their stories. The feedback uh, from the past couple episodes has been wonderful. Last week, uh, the live stream 101 was really well received, and I want to thank again everybody who texted, emailed, purchased tea from Path to Panacea, shared the pod, commented online, on social, etc. You can reach me, bgetz, at upfullife.com, by email, b.getz, G-E-T-Z, at upfullife.com. Send me any feedback, constructive criticism, suggestions, or irie vibes. Encouraged. Also encourage, uh, rate and review the podcast if you wouldn't mind or so have the time and are so inclined. On iTunes and Apple Podcasts, rate and review. It goes a long way to pushing people to the algorithms that find their way to the Upful Life podcast. So big up to everybody who has done that thus far. It is much appreciated. And with that, we'll move into this week's episode, which is as you well know, the Adam Deitch birthday extravaganza. Now, it's no secret to anyone who's listened to this show uh, or is just aware of some of the work I've done in the music media that Lettuce is my religion. The band Lettuce uh, is just everything to me in all the ways. And, you know, I'm a words guy, but I actually struggled to figure out how I was going to introduce and bring this episode in because you know I'm up here in the foothills of the Sierra Nevada is where I lived for roughly five years before I moved to Oakland and it was during those five years working on the farms and in the gardens that I dreamt up the Upful Life podcast and when I did so most often the guest was one Adam Deitch. Uh, Adam has been my favorite artist in music for a long time now and dating back to when I first you know, started to see Lettuce regularly, which was around uh, 2008 and nine, beginning with the Bear Creek experience. So shout to my man Otis, who I know listens to the show. He brought me to Bear Creek for the first time. He introduced me to uh, Paul the Wolf, Paul Levine, who threw Bear Creek and his instrumental in Halloween and Purple Hatter's Ball. And and Paul, and of course, Whitney Wangsgard, who has uh, worked for Paul at the time and then was later tour manager to Lettuce and has gone on to mega major things in the industry those two people really opened the door for me to first cover lettuce in a really up close and intimate fashion cover them in the media write about them share their music and then of course through uh, that work i have been blessed to uh, befriend the band Uh, and i count each and every one of them and many of their crew and staff as close personal friends And you'll probably be able to figure that out when you listen to this pod. So, you know, music is what makes all of us tick. It's what brings us together. And this is my favorite music and musician. It's his birthday. And we are going to celebrate that shit on the Up For Life podcast, episode 32. So I hope it's okay to be a little excited and, and bring some real exuberant positive vibes to the airwaves i know so many people are struggling people are dying there's widespread suffocation so let this podcast be a beacon of of light and just 
instill folks with that good vibe and hopefully it can uh, be in service to people who need to hear it. Not just Lettuce fans and Adam Deitch fans, but members of the music culture around the globe. So uh, with that, I'll let you know, we've got Adam Deitch, then we've got his parents, Bobby and Denise Deitch, and then we've got Ryan Zoidis from Lettuce and Adam Deitch Quartet and Often Break Science Live Band. So stacked lineup for you today. Episode 32, the Upful Life Podcast. I'm your host, B. Getz, and up next, the one and only Adam Deitch. What's up, boss? How you doing, man? I'm doing great, man. We we uh we wrote this like Tower Power kind of tune, and I was like, let me see if we can get Emilio Castillo to sing on this and get like the tower power horns on it with, with our, our guys. And I had ivory hook it up and he hooked it up. So I sent them the demo and Emilio loves it, man. He's like, this is the shit. And he already wrote the tune already. Like I sent him at six in the morning, you know, by three o'clock he's got it done, you know? Damn. That's incredible. This whole little like quarantine lettuce works with their heroes thing is like coming together. That's beautiful on like a cultural sense. And of course, it's got to be just fill you up with joy that, you know, you get to collab with the people that inspired you to do this. Yeah, I mean, he, he, Emilio just called me, bro. Like, I'm the biggest Tower Power head in the world. Like, you know, and he, he remembers me from AWB. He said, I remember you. I have my <laughs> eye on you. you know? <laughs> oh, my goodness, man. So he's been following you for like, you know, 25 years. Yeah, he knew. He just didn't know about lettuce. He hadn't really heard us. You know, he's like busy doing his thing and, you know family and gigs, family and gigs. But he finally, he heard us on this, this demo I sent, cause it's all of us playing, you know, like, and he was like, holy shit, <laughs> you know, that's fire. So yeah, it's super fire. So I'm like floating right now. I'm like, I'm best mood ever. That's I'm glad that I'm getting you at this time, man. That's awesome time to, to chat with you about the future. And of course, you know, totally. you're my guy. I'm a huge fan of everything you do and, and lettuce, break science, etc. So I wanted to just like touch base with you on, on how you're doing and what you're doing with regards. You got two releases in the pipeline. Let's start with lettuce. Resonate. Yeah, resonates where it's at. Um, super excited to drop this. It's like, you know, if you think of the Star Wars trilogy, you know, Empire Strikes Back. It gave everybody the chills. It has that vibe, you know? And, like, I feel like this is, like, the set, you know, it's, like, the second of, of, of the trilogy of this record with Russell Lovato, you know? Yeah. So it's a, it's a major feeling to, you know, because this was our second time mixing with him, and we mixed it in New York, you know, so we had this, like, a really good time mixing the shit with him. And, you know, the songs are more powerful, and we got that, that Earth, Wind, and Fire cover, which is a rare cover on there, which is like, I can't wait for people to hear, you know, Save the Children. And, uh, yeah, I mean, like, just we can't wait for people to hear Resonate. Yeah, the fans have been, you know, really excited since the news came out that you're going to release it in the first week of May. And, yeah, just for the people that don't know, like, Russell Olivado is somebody that you admired for a long time and, and always in the back of your mind hoped uh, to work with him. And now you've got him on board for what you describe as a three album trilogy. 
Uh, yeah. What about working with Russ? Like, what do you love about it? I mean, you know, when, when he stops, you know, the mixing process in the middle of it, of the, you know, whenever he is, is, he gets a little bit over, you know, when he's focusing too much on the mix, he'll stop and then he'll play us D'Angelo bootlegs that no one's heard. And he'll play us like, you know, Jimi Hendrix, are you experienced super loud, you know, for all of us to really, and we sit there and we listen to it with him, you know, like, and then he'll play us like some, some, some Erica Badu stuff that we never heard or some Roy Hargrove live shows that he mixed that no one heard. Like he's got all this amazing vaults of music that only he has. Um, the records that he, he, he listens to, he converted them from vinyl to digital himself through this amazing process. So you're hearing these records for the first time. And so it's like being in class, you know, it's like, you, you just a constant learning process. And, and then you go back to mixing your song and you have this wider perspective of how you should do the mix, you know, and how you should make the stuff sound. So by, by taking those breaks, he, you know, he's just like enlightening us to the, to the world of, of, of sonics and how to make things better. So it's like, he really, it was like a master class, you know, and it was worth every second. Yeah, it's a match made in heaven. I mean, he's been a part of so many of my favorite records historically, and to have him at the boards for this is just such a blessing. And you can hear it. And I mean, Elevate was very celebrated. It was nominated for a Grammy. And I wanted to ask, so what is different, or how did you, in essence, up the ante with Resonate? You mentioned it's it's more powerful. And it, uh, how did Resonate sort of turn the page to the next chapter? Um, we just felt more comfortable. Um, you know, we, we tracked all the stuff at the same time, but I feel like this group of songs really fits well together. And, um, I feel like the mix, we got even more creative and started doing a bunch of creative things and psychedelic things in the mix to, to make it really, you know, stand out. So it's just, uh, you know, it's a more developed and, and, you know, kind of situation where it's just feeling really good, you know? And I, I understand that you write a majority of the music. What's the process like? So you, you sort of track it out and then you distribute it and everyone does their part. What's the uh, nuts and bolts of the Voltron for Resonate? I mean, you know, it all starts with, like, the shows and us playing, you know, Schmeens and Jesus going off on some riff out of nowhere. You know, that, that totally blows me away because they just wrote it and then they forgot it. We get off stage and they don't, they don't remember it. So I, I go back to the bootlegs, the recordings, you know, of the shows and I find all these moments where they just made stuff up, you know, and then, I, and then I'll take those ideas and write something off of that. And then I send them a demo and they're like, Ooh, this is eerily familiar. I'm like, yeah, because you guys thought of this, you know? So, and so, that's how kind of how I write, you know, and I, I just kind of like do stick figure demos just for them to like, you know, hear how it became a, a song form and not just a, you know, a groove, you know, and I'll, I'll maybe throw a melody on it. Something that is very Zoidus or very Denny, you know, and, and then they get it and, and then they go, that's great, but let's try this and try that and try this. And, and then we have a tune. So that's the way all these tunes came about. Right on. Yeah. Except for except for except for the 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 James Brown one. That one was a total improvised jam in the studio. 
but it's like a dead ringer for classic JBs. Yeah, yeah, it's like a classic old school. Da, 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 da. Yeah, that that song is totally improvised in the studio with everybody there. But um, everything else besides the cover was kind of written in that way. And it's almost like but, reverse engineering a hip hop process where you're you're almost like sampling riffs and grooves exactly. of your bandmates. Absolutely, like like you know, they they just you know, they they when they were playing, they just somehow just come up with these things live if they're inspired, you know. And it's, I I took it as my job to kind of write songs off of that, you know, and like use that as the inspiration to create new music and write new tunes, you know. So, you know, it's it's a total band thing, you know. Like, I couldn't write all this stuff without these guys being, you know, such uh, so amazing at improvising, you know, a, a type of, uh, you know, riff or a groove or something like that or a melody or a horn line or whatever it is, keyboard line or something, you know. Yeah, definitely. And I think there's such a wide diversity of, of, you know, in essence, the sound or the styles. Like, you can't pigeonhole you guys as a funk band anymore. I really am excited to hear the studio renditions of uh, Silence is Golden and House of Let. And they couldn't be more different songs. Um, you guys have just really kicked down the barriers of, like, what genres are and, like, what's okay for what kind of band. You right, right. Totally, totally. I mean, the r rhythm is infinite, you know, and, you know, the, the like tempos and grooves from everything from like electronic music, like house music, dubstep, tr trap, you know, to like, you know, Afrobeat and reggae and like, you know, there's millions of grooves all over the world. And my, it's my job as a drummer to kind of like bring in these sort of beats that we haven't done yet, you know, like, what have we not gone to yet, you know, rhythmically, you know? So I kind of like rack my brain. Like if I'm going to write a lettuce tune, it's got to have an original beat and an original feel and a tempo we haven't touched yet, you know? So that's where like, you know, House of Let comes in. It's like, we don't really have like a, a good, solid, funky house tune, you know? And, and like, I'm like, there's a way to do it that's still lettuce, but incorporating this sort of like beat that, you know, people love to dance to house music, you know, that's, that's like a huge thing. So why not incorporate that in some way, you know, without using drum machines or anything and play it live and just kind of like, you know, have that driving force going on. So that's kind of how I look at, at, at the creative process. Man, that's just so dope to hear you break it down like that. And there, you're such a, a student of the rhythm period globally, and you do it in, in all these little, uh, you know, sublime ways and keep it lettuce, but, you know, you got that Afrobeat, you got that trap, dubstep, etc. I wanted to just ask a little bit, because everyone's home now, uh, you know, doing their thing on this quarantine. How did you guys put together the Funkin' From Home? A lot of people have asked, like, you know, it really was produced well together, totally lettuce. What was the process for Funkin' at home? Uh -huh. Well, I, I originally wanted to call it Wash Your Hands, because I feel like that was more of a <laughs> appropriate title. Because it starts with the clapping, you know, the, cl the clapping, like, you know, at, you know, when you're, after you wash your hands and you wipe them, you start to come out with a clap rhythm. So I, I've, I was searching through my computer and I found like these, uh, this, this claps, you know, I went clap, 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 you know, and I, and I was like, wow, this, this could be a, a, a lettuce tune starter, you know, so I, I love having like a, a, a unique percussion thing in there that kind of sets off the song. So, 
you know, I, I decided to put a drum beat down in my house. I used like two microphones, you know, and I, I got it. I put it through a bunch of stuff to get it, beef it up and make it, make it dope. And as dope as I could in my house, you know, obviously we're not working with Russ and we're not, there's no professional engineers anywhere near us, you know, but, um, you know, I sent the drums to Schmeens and he immediately came up with this like single note line that just had some Schmeens JB funk in there, you know, and then, uh, and then it went to Jesus and then, and then it went to Nigel and then the horns were, were instantly threw something on it. And, and everyone kept sending the stuff back to me or, uh, back to Schmeens and then Schmeens mixed it. And Schmeens is an amazing engineer. Like he, he went to Berkeley. He studied music production and engineering. So, you know, he was, even though he was a killing guitar player, his engineering skills are phenomenal. So when you hear that, you're hearing like, you know, Schmeens was coming out party as a mixer for lettuce, you know, like, you know, so now people, you know, thank you for saying you dug the sound of it because that was like Schmeens first time mixing a lettuce tune that goes out to the public, you know? Right on. Yeah. It, it sounded really authentic and given the circumstances, I mean, it was, you could have put it on the playlist with the rest of your catalog and it fit right in. Um, but I think it was just a dose Appreciate of positivity. That. Oh yeah, of course, man. It was just the jolt that the fan base needed to see that, you know, you guys were home and you were okay. I mean, we might all have, have, have known that one way or another, but, uh, just to see it and to hear it and to say, you know, guys, we're still here and, and to transition a little bit, like you did that personally on your own uh, page, part of the Sofa King Fest, where you uh, performed live streamed for an hour. And a lot of that was material many of us have never heard. But you took the opportunity to announce you have a forthcoming solo record, The Age of Imperfection. Yeah. Can we talk about that for mm -hmm. a sec? Um, you've been schooling me for a long time about production, just letting me know what time it is, who to listen to or whatever. I'm curious, like, uh, uh, philosophically. And you've been schooling me too, bro. Like, it's, it's a two-way street, you know? Yeah. Right on, man. I appreciate you saying that too, man. But uh, what was the approach for Age of Imperfection from a production standpoint, from a composition standpoint? Um, yeah, it's like what we were talking about before. It's uh, I'm a big fan of of producers like Jay Dilla and and Pete Rock uh, and DJ Premier. And th those are my three guys. And especially Dilla and Premier, they have this like chill. They, there's, there's this whole thing now happening with lo-fi hip hop. You know, it's a new, you know, it's, it's it's a sort of a new term for for basically the I call them the the disciples of Dilla. You know, which is there's a bunch of them. There's people like the Count, and there's people like Otis McDonald, and there's people like uh, uh, DJ Harrison, who are making this sort of lo-fi, funky, instrumental hip hop stuff with like kind of chill overtones and, um, and they're not sampling records. And I was, and, uh, you know, I, I've, you know, I've been sampling records for years to get that, those sonics and to get those sounds. And, and it finally dawned on me to like, try to get that sound without sampling things, without sampling other people's records and try to sample myself and try, you know, force myself to, to, play bass on something and, and, you know, keep the, the keyboard track I played on the roads and, and, and just kind of like build from there, you know, obviously I can't get the sound of a 60 piece orchestra in my house, you know, cause I don't play violin, but there are things that, you know, there are limitations, but I try to work within those limitations to create something original and something that was, that has that, 
that that dirty kind of vinyl feel to it, you know, and also adding live drums to this stuff instead of adding like uh you know VST drums or or you know you know even if even if it, if I do use like a a, a drum from a you know a, a kick drum from you know a, a sample pack you know something like that. I'll overdub my live drums over it so it has a, a combination of both. So that's really where I was going with this record. Word. I mean, that is a really... Sonically. Yeah. You know. Yeah, and there's there's a, always with just about anything that you do, Break Science, Lettuce, and I've definitely noticed this with your solo productions, there's, there's an emotional sort of quotient to the music. There are, are feels, as the kids say, but it's often, mm-hmm. most often... Uh, instrumental music how do you if you can put it into words like how do you go there i noticed that on the listen i had to the new record and and going back to you know skies alive and stuff there's just such an emotional aesthetic feels uh, without lyrics where do you go to to create that or well i feel like you know music and the sound of notes you know the sound of instruments is universal and that's why I called it space dust. Cause I, I heard someone say that like, we're all made of cosmic dust. We're all made of like, you know, the, the, the same thing stars are made of and suns and moons is in our bodies, you know? So there's nothing more universal than that. You know what I mean? Like we, you know, we are, we are a piece of the cosmos. We are a piece of the universe, you know? So I kind of approach this record, you know, and, and like Lettuce and Break Science, where, where, you know, vocals are minimal because language can be confusing sometimes. You know, we have, you know, we have fans in Tokyo, we have fans in Brazil and, you know, Mexico and, and Germany and, and like, you know, not everybody speaks English, but how, how do you, you know, you relate to people without speaking their language and it's notes, it's music, you know, it's like having them sing the horn line or sing the, the synth melody is deep because like that, you know, they don't have to worry about translating the words and they, and they could feel the meaning. They could feel what it, what it means and where we're going with it without having to spell it out with lyrics. So I'm really into that. And I'm, I'm into like expressing emotions through, through notes, you know, through sounds as opposed to like spelling out uh, um, a particular situation or, you know, involving, like, poetic stuff with, with, with lyrics. That, that, that's where I'm trying to go, you know, with this. And kind of both bands, you know, my, my, my music is in between Lettuce and Break Science. It has a little bit of the funk of Lettuce. It has a little bit of the electronics of Break Science. It, it's sort of like this in-between place that, that, uh, that, I, that I like to live in when I'm off tour. Well stated, well stated. And, and you mentioned about the bridge of with break science and kind of being in between the two. And, and you even reverse engineered that recently. I do want to touch on one break science thing while I have you. The, the acoustic versions of, of a few of your tracks that you posted just for them on a, a baby grand and a little synth and you're on a small, uh, you know, sort of minimalist drum kit. And you reworked probably my favorite song, Once in a While. And I talked about it on an earlier episode of the podcast. But, you, you know, that has a beautiful emotional lyric from Sonia Kitchell. But this is an instrumental version of that. Um, do you just maybe talk about how you uh, arranged 
or both of you arranged the like electronic music of break science in the minimalist setting and can we expect more of that because we sure love those couple of tracks yeah we, we definitely love doing that and we kind of fought it at first because you know we're you know we come from the era of like you know big banging bass and and you know we were on festivals with bass nectar and and tipper and all these people and and people like to have their brains and hearts twisted out with, with, with electronic and bass. So we didn't understand how our crowd would respond to this, you know, and we got to send a shout out to Phil, our manager, for pushing us to do it because the response was incredible. And um, you could definitely look forward to us doing that again. And uh, we might do an entire set um, live stream like that because people are, are, are asking for it. They're hitting me up every day on Instagram going, do more of that, do more of that. Which means, you know, it gives us a chance to, for people to see Borm play keyboards, which is an amazing piano player and synth player, live. He doesn't need to, you know, sit there for hours and program it. He could just play it, you know. And, um, you know, my, my drum style, you know, I could go between, you know, a jazzier, funkier thing and playing like, a, you know, like a machine. I've studied how to play like a machine, you know, for years. Um, so I like to, you know, go between that. So we're definitely going to do more of that for sure. Man, it was so beautiful. So thank you. As I mentioned on the, the Insta, when you posted it, man, it really moved me at a time when I needed to hear something like that. So, uh, thank you. we look forward to it. I'm, I'm asking everyone that I'm interviewing one, one last question before we hop off everyone during the mm-hmm. pandemic. And that is music is what obviously brings us together, particularly you and I. And is there... Can you pick an artist or a show or a song maybe that's getting you through or that you want to suggest to your fans out there like, hey, check this out because, you know, you'll feel real good after you hear it. Oh, I mean, I've been posting a lot of stuff on my Instagram. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm first of all, I'm digging super hard for rare soul and funk. And um, I'm discovering new bands or old bands that I just never heard before, you know, like everyone should check out the skull snaps, you know, like for old school stuff, you know, for like, if you dig that old school soul funk, like the skull snaps have, they have this song called, uh, I think it's uh new day by, by the skull snaps. And when you hear that, you're hearing exactly where we want to go sonically with the music, with lettuce, you know what I mean? Like, you know, it's just so well done and it's so funky and it's so incredible. And then, you know, I'm listening to a lot of, uh, the count and, um, he's a guy that's, that's producing, like making all his loops himself and doing everything himself. He's playing keyboards. He's playing percussion. He's playing drums. You know, if you follow him on Twitter, you'll, you'll hear it. You'll, you can see he does these videos where he shows you the process of how he records his stuff, which is totally eye opening for me and how he does it. Um, so like, you know, that's sort of like the new school stuff that's going on. And, you know, of course, DJ Harrison, what he's doing is incredible on his own. And the work he's doing with Butcher Brown is getting heavier and heavier. And he's someone to watch. He's like a, a future sort of Quincy Jones producer kind of guy, you know, and they, and he just produced Nigel's new record, which is going to come out on hopefully on Lettuce Records soon. I don't know if we should announce that yet, but, um, we're going to try to put it on Lettuce Records, and it's it's incredible. Like, Nigel's new record is phenomenal as well. Um, so, 
you know, between all that, I'm loving all that, and I'm listening. I'm listening to everything, man. I'm, you know, I'm checking out all the eras, and and you know, I found this band called Sunbear, which is like an Earth, Wind, and Fire type band from the '70s that was run by Greg Philigaines, who's a famous keyboard player and arranger, worked with Michael Jackson, and everybody, and that's some incredible, like rare, rare funk that I've never heard, you know, and so. Uh, you know, it just continues that music is infinite. And when you get, when you feel like you've experienced enough, you know, from inside the country, you go outside the country, you check out some Ethiopian funk from 1968 or, or some Egyptian stuff or some Brazilian funk from, you know, 73, you know, so it's just like a never ending journey and it's keeping, keeping me going throughout all of this. Hell yeah, man. That's a lot to chew on and super appreciative that you uh, gave us such a thoughtful reply. Man, I got to say, you know, your music fills us up and, and some kind of way. And a lot of my favorite people and best friends on this rock, I know because your band brought us together. So on behalf of all the fans, not just Lettuce, but music fans everywhere, thank you. That means a lot, man. You've been a huge supporter over the years and I love that we get to work together in, in this manner and, and, you know, uh, uh, you know, like doing that song with Emilio today, you know, and, and talking to Emilio from Tower of Power, the, the guy that started Tower of Power, it was such an honor. It's like, it's as if like, who's the writer in your life that you were like, I want to write. I want to, who inspired you to write? Uh, this guy from Rolling Stone, David Fricky, still doing it, but he's a legend. I know that. I know, and so it's kind of like if you and David Fricky were writing a, a piece together on something, you know? Right, right. It's like, like a full circle kind of feeling, you know what I mean? Uh, yeah, I can only imagine, man. I mean, I know how your whole family feels about Tower Power, so, I mean, that's just a life goal right there. Absolutely, man, absolutely. So everything's looking on the up and up, and I'm more inspired than ever to continue to keep writing and... You know, I just realized my computer is now full, and it's only full of music. I have no movies in my computer. <laughs> I have nothing in it except music. Uh, like, you know, 2,000 tracks on my Pro Tools and 5,000 tracks on my iTunes. You know, like so much music. So my computer is now full. I have, to, I have to switch computers now. So, you know, it's crazy. It just it let me know that I, I've been, you know, keeping it going and, now I'm about to fill up this new computer with a bunch of new shit, and it makes me feel good knowing people want to hear it, and and that we have the team to get the music out to the people, and you know we're just really looking forward to, uh, you know I'm really looking forward to putting everything, more music out and keeping everybody going throughout all this craziness. Right on, man. That is a just a hell of a dose, a jolt of positivity for us to finish with, man. So, again, big thanks. We'll be checking in with you one day when we can like sit across from each other again. We'll sit down for, for the podcast and we'll talk about your whole career and all your inspirations. But for now, man, this was 30 minutes of just incredible conversation. So thank you. If you want to do a, a Zoom podcast and, and like, you know, FaceTime podcast with, with people, I'll, I'll help set any of that up, man. I think you're extremely knowledgeable and you know what to ask. And like, you know, we, we could do like, um, you know, people, you know, we can do a podcast based on, like, anything, you know, based on hip-hop and funk and the combination, or, you know, I'll help you get 
you know, Glasper and, and whoever, you know, like that would be incredible, man. Yeah, wow. think about that. Man. Thank I think you. That would be really useful. We'll have Live to Live Music produce it, and and uh, you know, I'd love to be a guest on there and, and get you some more guests. From your lips to jaw ears, man. I'm on it. I'm gonna start dreaming it up. Let's do it. Let's make it happen, man. Thank you for doing this, man. Thanks for calling. Yeah. Thanks for for the time and for the music, man. We'll talk soon. Appreciate that, man. Stay up, homie. Stay yeah. your wife. Will do. Stay healthy, brother. Right. Peace. You too, man. Peace. say thank you and a deep bow of gratitude to Adam Deitch for that absolutely thrilling conversation. I gotta say I've known Adam a long time. We've had many conversations, but that one was truly special. So much so that I had to cut in like this after the interview to just say, holy shit. Y'all heard that about a uh, podcast breaking down 90s hip hop with Deitch and others of his selection. So y'all need to hold us to that, and I will make sure we bring it to fruition because that is one of the more incredible ideas that's come across my desk probably ever. So shouts to Deitch for breaking down all that good shit. The, The production process, the writing and recording of Lettuce, you know... Tower, Power, Connect, Bootsy, so much there. And you'll hear more about that with Ryan Zoidis in a little bit. I also needed an excuse to just play this blazing Deitch beat that I just uh, came through with on this uh, bumper music. It was from his live stream from the Sofa King Fest. And I went through pretty much every piece of recorded music that Adams put out trying to identify it. And I could not. So I'm going to give you a little more and then introduce his parents.
How great is that? That's uh, the new Bobby Deitch band single, Live Together, from their forthcoming LP, Work With What You Got. And, man, what an honor and privilege it is to speak with Adam's parents, Bobby and Denise Deitch, on the Up For Life podcast. Now, you know, Bobby's got this new album coming out May 15th. I understand you can pre-order it May 1. So I was already doing uh, some media about Bobby and his record, like I did for his 2017 release, Grateful. Um, And then the stars just sort of aligned. One of those silver linings with the whole uh, virus slowdown of everything was the album lined up uh, in succession with Let Us Resonate and Adam's Birthday and the podcast, and here we are. So on a glorious afternoon I uh, set out on the ranch on a nature walk and had just a heart-filling rewarding enlightening chat with both of Adam's parents Um, the primary focus of the conversation is is more or less Bobby's album his band um, the music that he makes and Denise's role in helping him create and she's of course a member of the Bobby Deitch band so I really wanted to get a lot about that because uh, Bobby spent the better part of two years putting this project together and I want to do my part not just to cover it but to share with uh, my network my people and the listeners to this show the readers of Live for Life music etc so uh, yeah we chop it up a whole bunch a little bit about what they're doing with their time a lot about work with what you got especially the choice collab with george porter called constant complainer and then of course we talk uh, a bit about adam lettuce the band the brotherhood the phenomenon and more you know so with that, we'll give you a little bit more of Live Together from the Bobby Deitch Band, and then Bobby and Denise Deitch on the Up for Life podcast, episode 32, Isolation Station, volume 4. I'm your host, B. Getz. Mr. B. Getz. How you doing, my friend, Bobby? How are you? I'm doing great. You know, good. We're, uh, you know, we're, we're holding up okay. Yep. How you doing, B? I'm good. I'm good. I guess we'll... we'll I was going to do a dry run, but you both sound pretty good, so we could just probably get to, right to it. How are you, okay. Mrs. Deitch? I'm not bad. Not bad. I, <laughs> just hanging in there like everybody else. Yeah, that's all we can do. I have to ask, how are you spending the time, the shelter-in-place time? How are you filling your days? And you can oh. go first. How do I go first? Well, I'm watching a lot of television. <laughs> <laughs> Going for walks, um, doing some music, 
and uh, cooking and, you know, talking to friends on the phone. Basically, you know, the Menza Menza. <laughs> sure. Okay. What about you, Bob? <laughs> I've been spending time, you know, helping to promote the uh, the album, you know, and, and, you know, putting out three singles. So I also creating videos to go with each single. So uh, he's been, know, been putting in like 15 hours a day doing this, you know, impressive. Yeah, we, yeah. Get, we see each other for meals and that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> not can't get into the studio to play the drums or anything because he's working. He's <laughs> working. <laughs> right. Well, it's great to be able to talk to you both uh, uh, for the podcast and for uh, some of the media that I'll be doing for the album. But I always like to start the, the interviews with just a little personal stuff. So I wanted to ask how you both were doing. Bobby, you're still teaching in some capacity, right? Oh, I'm completely teaching, yeah, online. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I actually teach in two colleges. So, you know, I have the jazz band at Ramapo College of New Jersey. And I have, I'm teaching three different courses at SUNY State University of New York at you know, Rockland Community College. So I'm, I'm, they're keeping me busy, you know. So, oh, yeah. It's you know, using yeah, it's challenging because you have, you know, when you're lecturing, it's a whole another situation than when you're doing this and or trying to organize your thoughts online. So it's it's uh it's a challenge, no doubt about it. Yeah, and that that applies, I'm sure, to the music stuff too. When you're when you're not in the same room as people and you're making music, it's a little mm -hmm. different than uh, yeah. and and that's just our new reality now. This this. Uh, this quarantine situation has everybody, you know, apart from one another. And it's just, that's really what the podcast I've been doing lately is all about, is just checking in with people in the music culture to see how they're getting by. What are they doing? How are they creating? How are they adapting? And it's really a, just fortuitous that you had this album in the pipeline, Bobby. It's yeah. a, it's an honor to talk to both of you about it. You know, obviously I've been a big fan of all, all things Deitch for many years. And I was telling my fiance last night when I was preparing for the interview about, I remember the first time we met, like we really met, which was on Jam Cruise. And I, it's just been a real blessing to be uh, along for the ride and seeing all the creativity that comes out of your family. So with yeah. this new album, I uh -huh. mean, I really want to get into what you're, you know, because I was, I was able to do an article on Grateful, and we love that album. My, my mom loves that album. My fiancé loves that album. Um, but this album, I, I got to say, like, the three singles or any indication, it's better. It's better sounding. It's more developed. So what was your intention here when you set about to make this record? Did you want to change anything, evolve go in a certain direction lyrically? Where, what was the uh, intention or the concept when you're like, I'm going to make work with what you got? Oh, that's a great question. And, and I mean, th there are several answers to that question. One is, uh, just like the first album, you know, Denise has been such an influence on, on all of the songs, on most of them anyway. And, and I, I can remember, and I actually have somewhere an audio clip of the two of us kind of talking about how people need to, you know, concentrate on their strengths and, and minimize their, their weaknesses. And we came up with the idea, Denise actually came up with the idea of, of the phrase, work with what you got. Yeah. And we were milling around with it for a while. And, you know, I, I said, you know, I would love, I got to write a song with that. And we started coming up with some funky grooves, just kind of like tapping on the kitchen table and that kind mm -hmm. of thing. And then we got Adam involved, and then he wanted to 
take the same title and 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 write a letter song based on the same with the same title. And we said no. <laughs> <laughs> we said we got it first. And uh, I I went down into my studio and I came up with this other phrase that kind of went right along with the title, which was, um, "It's not about what you're not, just work with what you got." So and you know, that, the and that song. catapulted the yeah. entire song. So I came up with that little guitar lick that you hear at the very beginning. That's me on guitar, and uh, you know, we just from there I said, you know, we should just try to reach people and just spread love, spread compassion, try to get people to be more compassionate, to uh, share their feelings with each other, point out some of the not so great things that are going on in the world, but also try to understand that we need to really heal the nation in a lot of ways and heal the world too. You know, partially with drumming, partially with lyrics, with grooves, with music. And then what happened was, uh, you know, we were very fortunate to be hooked up with our BDB saxophonist, Matt Wayne. And he, uh, you know, he is just a brilliant musician and uh, has fantastic ears and his ability to, to, to mix and engineer and arrange some of the songs on there. I think that was really the big difference from the first album to the second album. I think he made the, the biggest level. difference. He really took it up an, a, a huge notch. Yeah. Very talented guy. Yeah, I mean, you can hear that from the first three singles, and the arrangements are fantastic, and there's just a lot going on, and, it, and you can hear it all. I put it on in headphones because I really wanted to, you know, dig in. And there's just a lot of great nuance, and and there's a lot of space, and the songs really breathe. Um, Thank you. Yeah, and you do a, you know, I was maybe less aware of how much of a multi-instrumentalist you are until I got a look at the credits. I mean, I guess I remember from the last record you did a lot, but where do you write? Where do you sit down to write the songs? Is it on the piano or, or on the guitar or even on the drums? That's a great question. Uh, a lot of times the, uh, the concept, whether it's a groove or whether it's a melody or a lyrical idea, you know, sometimes I get that from Denise, but a lot of times I'm out walking the dog, you know, we're, we're walking outside, sometimes it's 11, 12 o'clock at night, and all of a sudden an idea comes to me, you know, and I, I, I get back to the house and I hum it into my voice memos on my phone, and so I don't forget it, because a lot of times any songwriter who's out there knows that if you think you're going to remember something hours later without recording it or writing it down, it's going to be gone. Especially so, at our age. <laughs> at any age, really. So, you know, in the morning, you know, if you think you're going to remember something in the morning, forget about it. You're never going to remember. But, um, yeah, a lot of times, you know, some of the songs are, are you know, I, I feel like they're p keyboard kind, kind of songs. So I tend to, you know, gravitate towards the keyboard if I think it's a, a keyboard style kind of song, maybe Rhodes vibe or acoustic piano vibe. Um, other songs, I think, you know, kind of lend themselves more to the guitar, um, you know, once I do that. Um, you know, I, I, yeah, and sometimes they're just based off of grooves. You know, I just come up with a, like I thought on, on Work With What You Got, I wanted it to kind of be like almost up-tempo Prince-style funk, you know, just kind of a four on the floor, boom, bat, boom, bat, boom, bat, you know, kind of thing. And then in the on the pre-chorus, we go into kind of a James Brown kind of cold sweat kind of groove. And I, I was trying to think who might be a good drummer for something like that. And I was thinking, you know, I, I'm a fan of the band Turquoise. And uh, I, I asked Mikey Karuba 
if he might be interested in playing drums on that. I thought it, the, the song Work With What You Got would be a good turquoise-style song. So we had Mikey play drums on that. He was more than happy to help mm -hmm. us out with that one, and I, I'm very honored to have him on there. Also, we got Shira, Shira Elias, uh, to sing some backups on that particular song. We actually featured her on another song that our vocalist, Natasha DeMarco, uh, is singing lead on. That's the one song that I'm not singing lead on. It's called He Loves Me. And uh, there's, it's all about trying to get your lover or your partner to, uh, to take more of an interest in you. And, and uh, commit. Yeah, commit. to commit, to commit to you, right. Yeah. And uh, so there's one part where the, the, you know, the, 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 the subjects, the girl's friend says to her, hey, wait a minute, you know, let him come to you, you know, give it time, give it space. And we gave that section to Shira to sing to, to Natasha. So I was very excited about that. And she did a wonderful job. Yeah, I look forward to uh, to hearing all the different guests that you assembled for the for the mm -hmm. for the album. And I know you did that in the past. Uh, yeah. What is the process? Because that, that, that's really a great marriage uh, when you think about uh, Mikey Karuba is such a high octane drummer. And, oh, yeah. and work with what you got is is sort of obviously it's the title track and it's right. it's a high octane song they, like devise those type of plans who plays on what when you're creating it or did you have the songs and then say all right who can we get yeah well that's a great question also um what i do when i write a song once it's completed um what the, the, the composition of the song itself and i i know where i'm going with it I because I can play bass guitar, I can play regular electric guitar, keys and drums. Uh, I'm able to sit down with my laptop and Logic, you know, go out and just track it all by myself and demo the entire song out. Once I hear it the way I kind of would like it to be, uh, then I say, well, you know, that would be great. I think that this person would do this really well, or that person would do this really well. So that's when I start to think. What style? Because, you know, my influences are so diverse also, you know, that, you know, I'm influenced by Stevie Wonder and Billy Joel and Earth, Wind and Fire, Al Green, you know, on and on and on. And and uh, so when I write, sometimes I have a certain artist in mind. I might take a little taste of what somebody else maybe is, you know, what I think their the essence of their style of a, a specific song without stealing it or just giving the vibe of it. And I say to myself, okay, who would best project that style? You know, you know. Obviously, I have incredible musicians in my own band that have, you know, that probably a bunch of the best musicians in the New York metropolitan area that I can think of. You know, with Dave Reese, who's our actual our music director, uh, Joe Mama Carpentieri, who was actually a former student of Adams, and Adam recommended Joe to play drums on, on the uh, on, on the record. Um, Who kills it live. Oh, yeah, he's amazing. He plays all of those tracks when we do it live. We like to promote young people, too, because they need that, that audience. Uh, you know, we're getting on in age, and it's nice to help promote young people with their, their musical careers. Yeah, that's for sure. And, you know, so that's what I did. I, with uh, Constant Complainer, which is my duet with uh, George Porter, he actually played bass on my last album on Start Living Your Life. Yeah. I remember. 
Yeah. Yeah. So when we were out in Colorado, I think I discussed this with you already. Uh, and and uh, he came up to me and said, hey, when are you going to do another album and can I be on it? And I was like, absolutely. Are you and, kidding? And then when I came up with the <laughs> idea for Constant Complainer, which is kind of a, a funny song, but I think everybody knows, a, 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 a you know. Negative people. <laughs> yeah, these negative people that always want to see the, the cup half empty rather than half full. So I, I think. I, I you know I I said well George should should help me out with this and when I asked him if he would do it he was more than happy to help me out and he went over to Nigel's and recorded the bass track and and uh, not Nigel Hall by the way and uh, he uh, you know I said would you be interested in singing some parts on it and he was like sure you know tell me what you want me to sing and I'll sing it so we so we did we pieced it and he he did his tracks from New Orleans and I did my tracks here right here in New York. And, you know, I'm very pleased with it. I think it came out really well. I'm very happy with it. Yeah, it's fantastic. And that's great backstory there for folks. Because a lot of the listeners to the podcast and certainly on people who read Live for Live Music, you know, are big fans of George Porter. And, you know, yeah, I was there that day in Colorado. It was uh, the day after Red Rocks that Lettuce had played. And there was a smaller event. Up way up high. I actually struggled with the elevation that day. That's how I remember. It was in Commerce, Colorado. And yeah. as I told you, I have a photograph somewhere of, of the three of you, you, George, and Denise, um, from that afternoon. And it's funny to think that this song was, in essence, that was like the, it was born in a conversation on that day. Um, yeah. And I want to say thank you for giving George the opportunity to sing. Uh, obviously, we've heard him sing for years, and he sings live all the time. And but to hear to hear him in the studio, you know, with all the the extra bells and whistles that you get, just the his age and his sort of just the the weathered nature of everything that makes every utterance that comes out of George so full of of story and life and perspective that you can just hear in the fabric of his vocal. But to have like a, that crisp in the studio and just to hear like George, current era George vocally right. it's, it's so amazing so thank you for just giving him the opportunity and and you guys it's a great duet i, I really dig the song and it's also a breath of fresh air because you do tackle a lot of heavier topics social commentary i really love live together i want to get to that next constant complainer is kind of like uh something light-hearted and i think that that's necessary especially in light of the current situation we need to be able to chuckle and we get george on vocals and it's a great tune and it's funky thank you thank you very much uh, you know george is he just exudes love yeah and 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 uh you know i think it comes over in the song definitely, it definitely comes over in his personality and you know everything he does is about love and and he's just a, a super wonderful guy he's a legend there's no doubt about it mm-hmm. you know and, and uh i'm just so proud to call him a friend you know, he's uh, just an amazing person. He actually did uh, uh, renew our, uh, Denise's and, and mine. He, he renewed our wedding vows on one of the jam cruises years ago. And uh, that was yeah. a very special day for us, very yeah. special moment. Yes, indeed. That's beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah. And, you know, just to be able to ha- make music with someone, have that kind of relationship with someone, legend or not, just George, it, like you said, exudes love. Uh, he married another friends of ours uh, at Brooklyn Bowl, too. He's just that kind of guy. Um, yep. And of course, like 
you know, his whole vibe and message, you know, could be present on Live Together. Live Together, the most recent song you put out. First things first, the first note you hit vocally on Live Together is like so amazing, Bobby. Just like your opening note sets the tone. It's great. I just, you know, it reminded me that you could really sing, you know, like really sing. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. And you know, when I sat down at the piano, what happened was I came up with this five note little riff, They're like, ba da 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 you know, you know, and, and I said, you know, I, I played a chord on it on top of that. And when I played those five notes, I said, well, you know, I based the entire song off these five notes. Can't we live together? You know, you know, and, and, uh, yeah, that's, that just spawned the entire song. When I first wrote it, I, I wrote it. First, I was going to make it a relationship song, and you know, like like a guy telling a girl, like, why, you know, we need to move, we love each other, we should move in together. And and Denise said, you know what? There's so many songs with this topic, you know, why don't you change it? Make just make it, you know, more of a political kind of social commentary. What's going on in the world? What's going on in the world? I said, you know what? That's a fantastic idea. So you know, my partner in life here is. my partner in, in songwriting also so she she's amazing she gives me great great concepts and great titles to let's with. let's talk about that for a second uh denise if you wouldn't mind so so bobby you know bats stuff off spitballs hey i got this tune i got this riff um and then what is your contribution when like do you do you sit down at the drums and play along will you like work out vocal harmonies at the kitchen table just take us Sometimes, there. Yeah, all, all the above, all the above, all the above. We have a lot of conversations about the concept of songs and uh, work it through and change it and work it through and change it again and add this to it. And, and definitely we always work out harmony parts and they're always hard in his songs. You know, He doesn't write simple songs, so we always have to work at it. Yeah, I know I do. A lot of my songs come from the Stevie Wonder, Billy Joel right. school and, and, and that, they're well known for their, you know, like lots of chord changes. Yeah. It's funny. We did a a a a a, a gig last, uh, I guess it was last August, in Denver at Cervantes, and we used uh, Adam and Adam on drums, which means in Deutsch. We used right. those two guys in the band, and they flew out, you know, Matt, uh, Natasha, and Dave, uh, you know, Scott Morrill, you know, who's an amazing guy. Uh, was you know went ahead and and, and flew and these guys there. out and they booked us in the club and we did the show and and uh, so I had to give these songs like eleven or twelve or thirteen songs to Schmeens to to play and you know and you know lettuce is is complicated and is great and it's mostly their grooves and 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 all of the things that they do you know they're an amazing band and we love them and I know them all since they were kids but <laughs> but uh. You know, when Schmitz, you know, started to learn my songs, he was like, his comment was, there's billions and billions of chords. <laughs> I, I thought I was going to laugh so hard. I, I just, yeah. billions and billions. It was challenging for him. It's, it was hard stuff. Yeah, yeah. And that's awesome. It sounds simple, but it's difficult. It's like, uh, like they said, Stevie Wonder songs. If you analyze them, or even Beatles songs sound so simple, but they're not. You know? Right. There's key Chord changes down. all over the place. Yeah. All kinds of rhythmical things, and but that's what he, you know, that's how he writes. But that's what makes it special, and 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 I think that like you know your music, like you, your parents to uh, most of the people my generation, you know, and yet you're making music that's accessible for you know your peers, 
and right. and people my age, and then the next generation. And yeah, yeah. that's for sure. I mean, we're, you know, musically speaking, you know, I'm a product really of the set the mid '70s, and and I, I think you know a lot of people, a lot of especially musicians, will agree with me that a lot of the great music was coming out during that time. So it's a big influence on me, and and you can hear it. I mean, yes. if you listen to listen to the the duet that Denise and I sang, uh, called "You're All That Matters to Me," um, and and uh, you'll hear you you will definitely hear Maurice White's influence on that song, the Earth, Wind, and Fire influence with Matt Wayne's horn arrangements are unbelievable. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know we. You know, I just, I'm a huge Earth, Wind & Fire. I took Adam to see Earth, Wind & Fire when he was a kid. We went to Radio City in Manhattan, and uh, I think that kind of was a pivotal change in his life, too. Right. Oh, certainly. He's referenced that a number of times. And uh, ironically, you know, your album comes out on May 15th. So before we transition to maybe a little Adam talk, I just want to let folks know that are listening. Bobby Deitch Band, work with what you got May 15th. Am I right? That's correct. I think we're doing pre-sale begins May 1st. So you can either go up on uh, CD Baby, you can go on bobbydeitchband.com, and at that point, after May 1st, and you should be able to, you know, put in some kind of pre-sale on there. So we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll keep you posted on that. I'll make sure to put that link in the show notes for the podcast, and of course, the article will have any and all applicable links. And, Thank uh, you. I was just talking with Ryan Zoidis on the phone a couple of days ago, like uh, just casual conversation. And he was riffing on just the because we were talking about Lettuce having uh, Remember the Children, the Earth, Wind and Fire songs on their new record, which comes out a, a week before yours. And as we acknowledge, it's Adam's birthday. And part of this podcast is, is, in essence, a gift to him. I like to give Adam a gift every year in one capacity or another. And uh, I thought doing a podcast with him and his parents is as good as I'm going to get on quarantine. Uh, so it would be really am- amazing if we could just talk a little bit about, cause you guys have such a, or both of you have such a role, uh, in lettuce. Uh, and I was just thinking about all the times you've shared the stage with them and now they're about to announce their new album. They were nominated for a Grammy, uh, you know, S- it's it's uh it's just an amazing time to be a lettuce fan, and I can imagine it's an even more amazing time to be lettuce fam. So, oh, yeah. can you f- reflect a little bit on their journey, uh, to from then to now, if you wouldn't mind, just anything that sticks out. I I love them. I I feel like I have six sons, not not <laughs> not just one. Yeah. And and I love all all of them. You know the the five other guys that. You know they're they're like flesh and blood at this point. I, I love them all dearly. You know I've known Shmeen since he was 16, uh, and Ryan, uh, Kras when he was with the band, same thing. You know E D. You know uh, you know Jesus. I, I you know I love him. You know he's he's just a special guy. And and you know I know I know all of their parents, yeah. and and their parents are really wonderful. So and we, we love we, Nigel Hall. Yeah, and we love Nigel. Nigel is, you know, he's just the greatest. I just love him to death. We've just seen them grow musically and also friendship-wise. They've grown tremendously uh, in in how they develop their music. You know, like, say, for instance, if Adam comes up with, with, with a groove or an idea, and then if Benny uh, comes up 
with a great trumpet part. He's so talented as well, uh, Benny Bloom. Uh, he's amazing. Uh, I, we just love to see the development of what they have. Adam likes to give us the rough, so we hear things before they're developed, and we hear the raw piece, you know, and then we hear the final piece, and it's always ten levels better than what we heard, you know. It's amazing how they they can do that, you know. They're such creative people together and bring it out in each other and encourage each other and, you know, I know they fight too, but <laughs> I mean, I, that's but a fact of life. Don't, you know, that's what, that's what siblings do. You know. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's just you know, music is is I like yourselves. It's my life. It really is what makes me tick. And and I can say unequivocally that Lettuce is my favorite music, my favorite band. To be like friendly with them and and close to them on some level is a thrill. But but first and foremost, it's about the art and the music. I've really never felt so you know connected to art like I do there. Lettuce, it's a religion. It's such an honor to be able to just talk with both of you, uh, because obviously Adam is is the engine behind Lettuce, literally and figuratively. And you gave him life, and and you uh, reared him in a way that has given him the freedom and ability to create not just with Lettuce. I mean, we're talking about Lettuce now, but he's got you know, a number of other incredible projects and relationships yeah, sure. out there. The and, forum, you know, and, and, and Big the, science and, is yeah. Adam Quartet. Yeah, and, and the quartet and all that. Schofield. Stuff. I mean, the list goes on. And, he, you know, he posts a video on, on Instagram or whatever, and it's like a who's who of drumming of three generations commenting on Adam's video and that just blows my mind. It happened the other day. I was watching one uh, when he did the House of Let breakdown and just all the drummers just, you know, showing love to him. Um, so I just wanted to celebrate. You know, I had you on really to talk about the Bobby Deitch Band album, but also right. to just sort of raise a toast to your son, who's literally my favorite artist in music. And I'm proud to call him a friend. And I'm proud to call both of you friends. And Absolutely. I'm also a huge fan of, of all that you do and create. I can't wait for everybody to hear the, the new BDB album, but also the new Lettuce album. You know, I, I've been listening to it for months now. And it's unbelievable. I, I think they're constantly kicking it up a notch. Yep. yep. You know, they're always doing something that just blows me away. No one's going to sit still when they hear this one. Yeah, this album. Yeah, agreed. <laughs> Very special. Yeah. Yeah, well, we look forward to the back-to-back weeks you know, resonate with Lettuce uh, on the 8th and then Bobby Deitch Band work with what you got on the 15th. And sooner or later, uh, both bands will be back on the respective stages and we can't oh, wait for that either. God, God willing. God yeah. Willing. Well, you know, I'm will we're all willing to wait till it's right and safe. In the Absolutely. meantime, you know, we'll just keep loving each other. We'll check in with each other. Uh, you know, right. you can count on me to, to spread the album, both albums to anyone who will uh, who will have a listen. Yeah. I mean, both Adam and Bobby, I know, are, are just in such a creative head now, being home and being in their studio. You can't tear them away from it. Because I was, you know, I miss Adam and I love him and I wish he was here, but I said you would be fighting over the studio with your father <laughs> if you were here. Right. There's no way that's going to work, you know. But he's he's happy to be home, and you know he said he's been on the road for twenty twenty two years, you know, living in hotels, living on buses, and what have you. And he looks forward to having this time to to write and create and record and practice teach. and teach and 
he's doing it all right now. He really is. And th- and thank you for saying that. It's, it's such an amazing uh like juxtaposition because the uh, the negatives go without saying of uh, with the music industry and the fallout from the virus and of course people's illnesses and dying. But there is a silver lining there for people for so many folks who are on the rat race, but particularly a guy in a band or five like Adam. Uh the opportunity for him to slow down and sink into himself, create rest, you know, yes. yeah. you can't put a price on that. And I, I don't begrudge anyone who says that this is good for them. Right. Right. He's and cooking it, too, which is he's amazing. Cooking. That's all. Yeah. <laughs> and this healthy. is a big influence on his cooking. Yeah. Right? He's cooking. Yeah. Trying to eat as healthy as possible. And yeah, keep your immune system up. I yeah, wish I'm like, hoping for that for everybody. Anybody listening to this podcast, you know, that immune system up. That's the main thing. Yeah. That's right well said and that's what we're focused on here and both of you please stay safe stay healthy and you, uh, you too. and back at you and your girlfriend your mom i, I know it's your fiance. mom real well it's fiance. Fiance. Yeah. and and also uh everybody listening to this you know take good care of yourselves be safe do the right thing stay home if you can yeah do what oh, you yeah. need to do to, to let this thing go beyond its way so it doesn't come back and, and get us again so yeah Stay safe and, and, and be well, everybody. Right on. Well, thank you for your time and, and the energy and the stories and, of course, the music. And we'll talk soon. Well, you're welcome, okay. B. Thank, thank you, you B. so much for having us. We appreciate you. Yep. Yes, indeedy. Another deep bow of gratitude for Bobby and Denise Deitch. Wow, what a what a conversation! Uh, just sometimes got to pinch myself that not only do I get to talk to my favorite artist in music on the eve of releasing two new albums from his band and solo project but I get to talk to his parents about their new album and about their son and his band and you know I don't take anything for granted in this life uh, and certainly not during this time so let it be known that I am just so grateful that I have the privilege to have these conversations and then transmit them to music fans around the world or whoever finds their way to this show and any and every guest that makes time for this you know i am in such deep appreciation for your time and your energy and your thoughtful contributions and this uh, episode is such a profound example of just that thank you bobby thank you denise thank you adam and now we get to go to my man ryan zoidis Wow, I'm recording in my car, which is what I do out here on the ranch for good sound, and a bee 
just made its way into my vehicle. Um, I was tempted to stop recording and bug out. He's mighty close, but I think I'm going to roll with it. So, my man, I hope you stay put or just kind of mosey around over there. But I'm going to keep recording because I got my man Ryan Zoidis coming up. Ryan is one of my dearest friends, and, and not just saying that. Uh, he's been a just real solid cat in my life for a damn long time. And I love all the guys in Lettuce. Um, just Ryan and I uh, communicate often, and he's uh, invited me to be just a friend to him and in his life in a major way and that speaks volumes to me um, never more so than when I was locked up uh, and D'Angelo released his first album in, in 14 years and uh, Ryan played a, a couple of cuts from Black Messiah through the phone through into the payphone to me in jail and while I couldn't hear them that well I, I got the gist and more than anything I got the love from Ryan and and that's something that uh, I hold on to for the rest of my life. And ironically enough, that radio station that I listen to in jails that I've talked about so often on this show, KVMR, like two nights later on their uh, independent underground hip-hop show every other Thursday night, that gal, um, she played two tracks from Black Messiah. And I only recognized the first one so soon because of the snippets I got from Zoid. And really... Uh, D'Angelo and Voodoo and the producer engineer Russell Elevato is is just like this uh, vortex of how Ryan and I became friends. That's what we talked about so much early in our friendship, and uh, hence why I'm so flabbergasted and blown away that Russ has been at the helm and on the boards for the last two Lettuce Records, Elevate, and now the forthcoming Resonate. So. Normally, naturally, I'd like to give Ryan his own episode, deep dive on his phenomenal career, Rustic Overtones, Soul Live, Shady Horns, the Royal Hammer reggae band from Portland, Maine, and of course his you know, OG status with Let. But, uh, you know, he was down to be a part of the Deitch birthday extravaganza. So he touches on Adam and his relationship to Adam and Bobby and Denise towards the end of the episode. Of course, we got to get into Russ Elevato, Voodoo, D'Angelo, um, and the Resonate Sessions. I hit him on a couple of my favorite tracks. We get some backstory there. And maybe the most beautiful and pertinent part of our conversation is in the beginning where at Ryan talks about what he's doing with all this time off the road, specifically with his daughter and how that's transformed the, the experience of fatherhood for him and the father-daughter relationship with he and she and how she's making her way through his record collection and how uh, inspiring her on the piano. So much in there from my pal, my brother, Ryan Zoidis. Um, you're hearing Larimar, which is actually on Lettuce's last record, Elevate. Um, I've already played Ndugu last week. Um, I've got House of Let coming in a little while. And we opened with Checker Wrecker. And I really wanted to stick with the new shit and the studio shit, because that's what this episode is about, and that's where the band is putting so much of their energy right now. So... Uh, I played Trapezoid Dub last week, which is my favorite jam off of Elevate, and 
Therefore, you're hearing Larimar, which is my next favorite jam off Elevate. And then we'll get one more new lettuce song for the Vibe Junkie Jam of the Week. But hold off on that. First, let's hear Zoid get a little bit busy on the end of Larimar. This is the Up for Life podcast. I'm your host, B. Getz, Isolation Station, Volume 4. Yes, indeedy. Zoid, what up? It's Begets. How are you, man? Good. How are you? I'm also good, man. I'm I'm lucky and blessed to be talking to you from a really beautiful place in the middle of nowhere in NorCal. You in Portland? Yeah, I'm up in beautiful Portland, Maine. And I know that's your your hometown and where you're from and raising your daughter. So uh, you haven't been home like this in a while, I imagine, right? Yeah, I was I was talking about this the other day, and I was trying to remember the last time I was home for this long, and I want to say it was like at least ten years. I mean, you know, touring's always been a big part of my life, and I'm I'm used to just the in and out here for for blips and there's always something on the horizon you know and i think maybe you know maybe i've been home for this long but i've never been home with the feeling that there isn't i don't have something booked like i don't have to go to the airport a certain day or you know it's just it's a it's such a different feeling and different headspace to be home you know that way you know so yeah i've been really like really digging into that and and it's it's i feel like it's changed my whole approach to my daily life you know my daily routine yeah i can imagine man and that's got to be the case for musicians across the country and really around the world um and speaking of around the world and, and i gotta say before we start man that this is going to be abbreviated interview and conversation i mean we're good friends and we talk all the time and i always envisioned that we'd be sitting across from each other and we could talk about your whole career and how you got there. And I look forward to being able to do that down the road. But right now uh, we're just checking in with folks, kind of getting the 411 on their current reality in light of the COVID-19 and the fallout and the slowdown, but also just kind of want to hear what creative people uh, are doing with the time or what they have in the pipeline. And, And you've got a lot of both. You know, so before we get into the new Lettuce album and a lot of your other endeavors, uh, unfortunately, Lettuce's tour was cut just short in Europe in uh, February into March. You were there for roughly a month. What was uh, some of the, instead of uh, asking about the cancellation, let's focus on the positive. I know it was a vibrant, really just uh, transformative experience for the band. Any reflections you care to share or about the experience yeah i mean it was a whole whole different uh we were able to showcase a whole different side of lettuce that that has existed the whole time but we just haven't been able to um express it on that stage you know those those small intimate stages are like what we are how we kind of honed our honed our craft and found our sound you know um and to have people write up on us 
that were so excited to see us and were listening to every note and 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 vibing so hard to a new level and um it just reminded us where we come from and and uh we're just like you know hopefully we get a chance to to bring that to a, a big stage and see if we can pull it off you know it was really a humbling experience for us because um, these people, a lot, a lot of the the fans that had come to see us, had, you know, had had been waiting for ten years, and uh, so we just it, they just kind of made us play our hearts out, no matter how tired we were or disoriented we were, or, you know, like we we just every night had so much energy in the room that like it was undeniable. So. Um, yeah, the, the tour was the Europe tour was a, an eye-opening experience, and it, and it the band grew a lot and developed um, a lot uh, improvisationally, and just uh, our, we added a lot to our show. It was a really inspiring experience for all of us. <laughs> yeah, and it was uh, really incredible to get those little short films from human being. And having Jay, who obviously made the documentary about the band a few years back, which is amazing, let us play. But these little vignettes, these little glimpses of y'all in cafes and ganja shops and the horn, trumpet, and saxophone stores. Yeah. What was behind that? Uh, was that a conceptual thing that uh, Jay brought to the band? Did you d conceive it together? Was it a, a fly on the seat of your pants thing? That was awesome. No, I mean, he, basically, it was just like, who's who's going to do the, the the funnest shit today? Like, who's gonna who's gonna find the, the the fun hang? You know, like, and he would either be awake or and ready for it, or he'd be editing. Like his the the way that he like took took that whole trip and was just unbelievable for one guy to do. He, it seemed like there was like a camera crew with us when you watch those videos, but he was just with us the whole time. And, uh, and he, he just managed to like, like, out, like one of us would get in his ear and be like, yo, tomorrow I'm doing this. Like my, my was broken. So I had to go to this random horn store in Vienna to drop it off and get it fixed or, or pick it up. And, uh, I was picking it up and they happened to have this enormous saxophone there that no one has ever played in, you know, in the world. And like. I just got to play a few notes on it, and he happened to be there. And then, you know, Jesus was there. We busked in the street in Vienna. Like, he would just kind of uh, be in the right place at the right time, and he knows us so well that he would, he would just know where to go, you know. so Yeah, he's incredible, and I just was so thrilled that we got to live that vicariously in those little shorts. And, of course, a number of videos that have been posted of uh, snippets of performances. So hopefully... You know, we get to see more and hear more because, you know, as hardcore Lettuce fans, we always want to consume the newest. But especially with regard to how you speak of the experience, I can only imagine how that came out in the music with everyone. So you, the stage plot so close together and the audience is on top of you waiting a decade plus to see you. I mean, that's like what dreams are made of. So I am so thrilled that you got as many shows in as you did before it did come to an end. And since it came to an end, I understand you had to quarantine for a period of time. And uh, you've been immersing yourself. Uh, I've seen the videos you posted, uh, some solo sax with synth. And uh, what are you doing creatively uh, in the run-up to the release of the album, you know, by yourself oh, out man. there? I've, I've had this, you know, uh, kind of renaissance of, of just 
pure musicianship and practicing my instrument again and, and really focusing on my craft a lot more, you know, uh, acutely than I, I would when I, if I was just going about my normal schedule, which is looking ahead to the next dates, trying to, trying to maximize my time at home as a father and, you know, just keeping all those, you know, logistics together. And I would generally be distracted by that stuff when I'm home. But um, this current, you know, this vibe right now, I'm like, my, my house is like so, feels so much more settled. And um, and I've really worked on, on kind of like getting the flow right. So because I've been playing my saxophone a lot more than I ever had before at home, really, to be honest. Um, um, I have my studio set up so I can make a record in my studio finally, which was the vision for it from the start, but I really hadn't had time to do that. So I've been able to kind of dial all these things in and then like work on my synth and plug all my synths in and see how they work and, and, uh, just stuff that I, I see myself doing, but I really do most of it on the road when we're traveling and, and sound checks and stuff i have these like little windows of time where i can practice or you know work on a new sound on my synth or just try a new piece of gear or something like that but like when i'm home and i'm alone focused on it it's a different story and i'm and i'm really appreciating that because that's what got us here in the first place you know what i mean it's really we're, be, we're able to like read you know uh rediscover the, the fundamentals that got us here and the and the uh the real foundation of of music that that made us good instrumentalists you know um yeah i mean that's amazing that you know you're given this gift of an opportunity to sink into your home like you said settled being a father without it being like on the clock or a race against time and naturally as as a fan you know to see just the glimpses of the videos or like that sketch you made of how you were dreaming up your, your synth sax setup and, and just knowing that about you and like that you're given the time to, to spend with your daughter or really, really investing yourself in like your instrument. You can't put a price on that. Yeah. I mean, I really, I also didn't really even touch on, on how incredibly special a gift I've been given and that my daughter has been given to have this time, with, you know, with each other that's so focused and so there's nothing intruding on our time. Like there's no schedule. It, it, our time is so much more open than it ever has been. And we've never experienced this feeling, you know? So this is like her piano playing has taken off, you know, like she's just, she's really focused on learning this new piece that she's working on and, she has a drum. We have a drum kit in the in the living room. Piano's there. Studio's right around the corner. All the horns are out. It's just music all the time. She sees me practicing. It inspires her to practice. Click the metronome on, and like by the end of the day, she'll be playing something you know twice as fast as she started it. You know, like she's she's really like seeing seeing how 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 to make progress, and, and she sees that it, it makes you feel good when you do that. You know. So that's been a real gift, too. And we've just been, like, hanging a lot, too, which is also really special. And I saw that you, you 
had all the records spread out for her and she was making her way through oh, your vinyl collection. Yeah. Well, I'm just curious what, uh, what were some of her favorite pulls out of that pile? Um, she was, she fell in love with Bootsy that day. Actually, she pulled, uh, two Bootsy records out and, um, she was just like, she just went, she I gave her like two hours with the Bootsy records. Cause she was just like, she was like, is this guy, she was confused. She was like, is, is this guy still alive? Is he around? I'm like, yeah, he's right here. He's, he's on Instagram. He's, I just sampled them. And she was just like, what? And then I played her a show on, then I would pull up a show on, on uh, YouTube, like live in Houston. And she was just like blown away and flabbergasted about how cool and fun Bootsy was. And then she was reading the lyrics of the Bootsy songs. And they're the funniest, the funniest, goofiest, lighthearted lyrics ever. And she was just laughing and reading through those, listening to the records. It was amazing. Oh, man, that's so beautiful. Thanks for sharing that. Because, I, you know, just seeing the image of her with the records was so incredible. But to know a little bit about how that afternoon went, right on, man. Yeah. So, yeah, it is a gift, that. And, and in a lot of ways, this slowdown, uh, even though it's, it's a real shitty thing with people dying. And, uh, you know, I guess there's like that element of having to also, you know, connect with your child and explain why life changed like that. So you have that opportunity to really like walk through that with her. And that's pretty amazing too. It's just like, I feel I, I've learned that just being around and being present, you know, through these times, even if I don't have any answers, just is makes her feel comfortable and it's cool. So I'm just yeah. like, I feel lucky to be here, you know, for, for this time because I'm, I'm normally gone, you know? Yeah, That's exactly. You, you, she's never really known this, like, experience. Yeah, especially th this time of year is really busy for us usually. School, you know, I'm gigging in and out. It's just It just blows by, and then summer kind of mellows out a little bit. This is a really nice, focused, chill time to have together that, like, it, we're going to look back on this time as a gift for our relationship forever. You know what I mean? I do yeah, indeed. Bolster it. Yeah. Right on, man. And yeah, it's, it's tough to just talk about all the cool stuff that's happening, whatever, without acknowledging that it's, you know, a difficult experience, but you know, it's, it's important for people to hear like on this show and in general stories of, you know, just connection and, you know, silver linings that are coming out of this, you know, confusing yeah. and uncertain time. And I was just remarking with, uh, Bobby and Denise Deitch and, and Adam before that, that this time of year, we're usually gearing up Swanee Rising, which is an amazing festival that you guys were part of the inaugural, part of the inaugural event last year. And it was a, of the Bear Creek family. And then, of course, the whole Lettuce Band is always very busy at Jazz Fest with everything outside of lettuce, including the Rage Fest. So uh, it is kind of a bummer to think, you know, we're not going to get those incredible, like, familial annual hangs. But we do have the brand new Lettuce album right down the pipe pipeline, uh, May 8th, Resonate. And uh, I wanted to just touch 
on a little bit about the record. People, when this podcast comes out, it won't have dropped yet, but you have the three singles out, and it's obviously chapter two, if you will, from the sessions you did with Russ Elevato. So I want to start there. One of our earliest real conversations as we were becoming friends was about D'Angelo and Voodoo and Russ Elevato and his recording techniques. And you shared a story with me about being in the studio at Electric Lady. And all these years later, Russ is, is at the engineering and mixing board for your last two records. Can, can you just talk a little bit about like, you know, how you saw or felt about Russ Elevato before you worked with him, just from that experience back in the day and all his amazing work and, and yeah. why? Yeah, I, we were, once we figured out who he was, which was actually just voodoo put him on the map for me. And, uh, you know, that, that the sound of that record was like no other that I had ever heard prior, prior to that time. And, but it also like touched on a lot of nostalgic little things that, were already in me. So it, it was related to a lot of things that I came from, but was just like hyper dope. And I couldn't believe how good it sounded. And I, I think that was one of the huge things. The sonic, the sonic beauty of that record is one of the things that sets it apart. Like the songs and the music, the sonic aesthetic of that record is something that just like puts it in a league of its own. It just changed the way that I thought about our records and recording after that because those guys obviously were doing things that came from like Zeppelin records and and Jimi Hendrix records and and you know just all the psychedelic stuff and subtle stuff that was just beautiful. Not only that but like preserving this super hi-fi high quality recording um of the greatest musicians in black music at the time in my opinion and it was just a yeah so i was blown away by that fully inspired a dream of mine was to work with russ elevato from that point on and um, and we did it I don't know how. We just honestly, like Kraz, ended up meeting Russ and introduced me, and I loved working with him because I uh, recorded a Kraz record that Russ actually mixed, and I went to that mixing session and got to hang out with Russ there. Um, and then, so when the when it came around that we had a chance to use Russ for the Lettuce records. You know, he knew he had we had a connection there and there was some history there already. I I pray at the altar of voodoo. So I, you know, totally get that. It is a revolutionary record even 20 years later. And and yeah, it's just so it's like manifest, man. You know, you just put it out there into the universe and 15 ish years later, you know, he he's able to to collaborate with you. Deitch talked a little bit about this, and you mentioned it back when we did an interview around Elevate, that uh, he has a habit in the mixing sessions of sort of uh, shutting it down and putting on uh, any specific kind of music that he maybe had a hand in or that he loves, and and sort of relaxing the session and getting you guys to sort of uh, decompress. 
and then put that back into the music. How does that go? Like he just shuts well, that. Well, it was also an ear break for him. Like it's like you're reading a song and and running it back over and over again for hours and hours, like a full day, really, for one song. So, like, you get desensitized to that song, whether you think you do or not, you know. So he realizes he's he realized that a long time ago. And and if you also if you're referencing, if you want to reference things that you are, you know, other pieces of music that are important to you, you can pull them up. And he would pull up these like beautiful, full, full quality renderings of these vinyl, you know, first pressings, uh, you know, cut from his reference turntable through this unbelievable chain of, of, you know, converters into his thing, and he would play it and blast it on the most beautiful speakers in this built, perfectly built out, acoustically perfect studio outside in a pecan ranch you know, 3,000 acres in the middle of nowhere, and we're out looking at the stars, listening to, like, uh, Electric Ladyland, and, like, just, like, learning learning so much about arrangement and sonic, like, just, like, craziness. <laughs> and uh, But it was also just a refresher. It would just wipe your palate clean, and, like, um, and then we'd move on to the to the song, and it would be, like, or a, a palette refresher, you know? It's like a little muse in the middle. Yeah, it's effective, man. I think he, and I've loved, all, you know, all your records, and I really feel like Elevate, just there's there's a extra sort of something to the texture and fabric, especially in, like, good speakers, good headphones, that you can hear exactly what you're describing with in terms of, you know, what he brings out of the, the sound and the, the sort of, you know, sound design, if you will, and, and the hi-fi nature. Yeah. But you guys are really a dynamic band, lots of sounds, you know, old school sort of uh, rare groove, uh, hard funk, space age sort of funk, lots of 70s analog synths with you and Nige. You guys really have, have like broadened your horizons over the past, like, say, three records. It's really interesting. These are companion records, but you come out the gates on Resonate with Blaze, which is a song that you've been kind of working out uh, in the live element for a couple years now. It's such a, a throwback to uh, the lettuce that maybe people uh, came to know years ago, as opposed to, say, Elevate starts with Trapezoid, which is like future trap funk um was there a conscientious effort for there to be like a yin yang thing there where you're just coming from the total opposite end of the spectrum to kick things off on resonate i don't know if it was like a full opposite like you know i don't know if that was the intention to go full opposite but it was definitely to just you know kind of remind people who we are where we came from is is really like the, the true the deep funk and and then you know starting with trap on the first one was that like we have been playing hip hop since the beginning too so i think they're both just like strong representations of who we are but just different it was just like how, the aesthetic that we wanted for the, for this record cuz you know that that elevate record is is moodier you know but Resonate gets moody too in its own way. It's just it's it it's it happens a little differently. 
Yeah, yeah. And and I guess my thinking was because the the cover art is inverse and then you start over there with trapezoid and then you start with blaze. I just thought it was a really unique sort of yin and yang thing. Um No, no, I I can see that though. The opposite end of the spectrum for us, but it's like that It's still you to the core. Yeah, man. And I I only had a handful of times through resonate and I, you know, know the different songs to varying degrees. I, we can't touch on all of them, but I did want to touch on a couple that I thought were just such a cool evolution, which well, let's start with Mr. Dynamite. So Mr. Dynamite, it's like you think it might be a JB's tune, but it's not. And and a lot of the grooves and a lot of the stuff that you're doing in the song, we may have heard you do in between other songs uh, for the past year or two. How did you guys sort of come up, you know, obviously in the name, it's pretty obvious it's an homage to James Brown, the Godfather, but how did you guys put that one together? So many elements, so many like little nods to pages in the JB's past. That's actually a really good, uh, a really good example of what Russ Elevato did for us, you know, uh, just being there for the tracking part of the record. You know, he, he encouraged us to jam and whenever we were jamming, he'd hit record. He was that he was paying attention, you know, so we were just like jamming before a take of something and it got dope and it, he had hit record and it went on for like 20 minutes. And then later on that night, I think we got it. We had a chance to, to listen, listen back to what we had done for the whole day. And that was one of the things. And we just made a note that it was cool enough to kind of like check out again. And that was literally a, completely improvised jam that we ended up mixing damn it's one of my favorites and uh yeah i just was really jazzed about it there's so much conversation going on you said you heard it at, at shows but like the funny thing is that we'd only recorded it in the studio and we were the only ones listening to it at home and then we would we would pull it up in the middle of uh the force or whatever and, and uh just like touch on it live but there was no recordings of it or anything like that yet. You know, I mean, we we had the recording of it, but it was just the jam from the from the from the rough mixes of the session. You know. Yeah, yeah, I, I knew I recognized it in there, and yeah, you guys definitely uh, sort of would tease it and play around with it, and that baseline is undeniable. Um, I also really, you know, I we were talking the other day off the air about Earth, Wind, and Fire, and I remember, you know. Everyone in the band in one time or another has said, you know, how much they adore and worship and are so influenced by Earth, Wind and Fire. I remember when Maurice White uh, passed away, you guys did remember the children that night and posed with the album cover. And you were just talking to me the other day about your favorite Earth, Wind and Fire album uh, with Maurice White just before he passed. Just talk a little bit about, you know, choosing this time and now uh, to, you know, roll out your your tribute and cover of, of earth, wind yeah, and fire. I mean, they're just such a big part of, of who we are. They, they've like, they're, they're a huge part of our identity, I think, uh, individually and as a band. And, and they've always been, uh, just a, a huge inspiration because they were an actual band and they, and they carried themselves as a, as a unit and a team and a, and they, and they, they did things together, you know, there, there was no real, like, I mean, I, I know Maurice White is kind of a star, but there was no, and Philip Bailey too, but like, no one really front 
manned that band. It was really the band, Earth, Wind, and Fire. And that's one of the, thing, one of the things that always continues to inspire us. And, and uh, musically, they're really the deepest. Um, and we've all, we all have, like, experienced them since we were born, you know. So we came up listening to them and... I think their their energy is just deeply embedded into us, and uh, you know, whenever we get a chance to cover something, we will as long as we can do it right, which is really difficult with the, with that music. You know, I um, love but, the vocal harmonies uh, on that. Mm. Nigel, I mean, Nigel knows that music in and out, and he's also happy to embellish it a little bit if he wants to. You know, I mean, he deserves to. Yeah, he's been a real presence on the last two records, and obviously he's a talent that you guys have been working with for many years. But this current lineup has really coalesced into a formidable just force of nature, and I think it's exemplified on this record and the one that came before it and Elevate that was obviously nominated for a Grammy and much celebrated. I want to just, before we get to uh, some non-lettuce stuff, the last song, the title track, Resonate, is another one that, and correct me if I'm wrong, I'm, I'm hearing the product of a lot of stuff that you all have worked out on stage, jams, themes. Resonate is so emotional, such a just beautiful, emotional album closer. How did that one come together? That one, Harmonic Jam, I think, if I'm correct, we had a, Deitch insisted that we get, we had like a day off. We, we flew in a day early to play a gig the next day somewhere. And he was like, man, my boy has a studio somewhere. Let's just go there and we can just play. So we went there and, and he had, I forget if we had to rehearse something. Maybe it was like leading up to Shaka Khan gig or something like that. But I think it was actually just like to play and just to hang out and play. So uh, Shmeens and Jesus just started, they were warming up and tuning and, like, Jesus is doing all, the, like, the proper harmonics to tune the bass, like, really nice. Like, both of those guys can do the, the full harmonic rain, like, you know, cycle of things. And they're both doing it. And then they just start rhythmically doing it. And then it turns into this jam. And that was it. And then one of us, I think either me or Deitch, recorded it on our phones. And then it ended up becoming this thing called harmonic jam and we would play it once in a while. Yeah, it's definitely familiar and it was on some of the shows that got released in the time period and that's why it's familiar. It's just beautiful. Uh, I, I, I really was taken aback at just how emotional sort of landing point it was for, you know, the journey that is resonated. And I mean, of course, yeah. there's a lot more tracks. I love house. I love Ndugu and, um, We'll definitely continue. I, like, I, I want to hear us get more, you know, I want to hear more pretty moments from us and the thing that I'm trying to encourage. So it's, it's, I love that we end this record with that really beautiful, you know, unadulterated, just pretty shit. It is so pretty, man. It really is. And, uh, I'm, I wasn't, you know, it was something unexpected, not not for nothing. Uh, it wasn't necessarily what I grown accustomed to, uh, in terms of how you guys close it out. And I just think it's it's a very and sublime way to sort of wrap it up. So I hope that you know 
we hear more of those type of moments from you guys because it, you really nailed it. Um, I have to say it's a cruel joke, uh, the lewd. It's such a perfect just vibe and, and moment and snippet. It's so brief and fleeting, but very Russ Elevato kind of thing, that just little interlude well, there. Well, I got Deitch finds. Deitch had some... He was. He had been combing the, the outtakes and things from the session, and he found this one little snippet as I was entering the mastering studio. So I, I just I pulled. We pulled it up and we edited it and and stuck it in there. And it, and it really made me want to go <laughs> dive deeper into that kind of thing. But I'm pretty sure that come from. There's a 55-minute jam from the session that we did when we recorded um, Silence is Golden and Dugu, Checker Wrecker, the new Blaze that's on there. We Actually, that was the second time we tracked Blaze. Um, and then, yeah, so we but at, on that session, we did this one 55-minute jam where we were just hanging out, playing forever. Everybody's just walking around, chilling. And it, we recorded the whole thing, and it's actually presentable. But I think Deitch pulled that from that. If I'm, I might be mistaken, but um, it was something like that. It was just like one of those little outtakes that someone was smart enough to hit record on. Yeah, it's so dope and so criminally yeah. short. And <laughs> I, I mean, my my dream is to eventually be able to just record an improvised record because you're going to hear mostly stuff like that. And it's going to be coming spontaneously and you're going to experience it as a listener. You know, and I really feel like the songs are the vehicle to get us there, but I feel like we're almost ready to just kind of hop in and, and, and uh, just make make a fully improvised record i think that's like that's in our near future i think man from your lips to jaw ears i hope that uh we hear that someday man that sounds incredible so yeah i want to breeze through a couple other things while i have you on the phone like i said one day we'll get to really chop it up and talk about all the things um lately you've uh been doing this natural wines thing with your a partner on the lettuce horns, Benny Bloom. A lot of people have asked me about it because they know that we're friendly and, and that I'm a big proponent of anything that you and Benny do. Just uh, briefly, if you wouldn't mind, tell folks what that's about and uh, how they can find out more. Yeah, I mean, we, me and Bloom just got fired up about drinking these, like, really live wines that are just, like, un, unadulterated, unfiltered organically grown, biodynamically grown, just well-produced wines that actually feel really good to drink and you don't have a hangover. They, they're they more like lifting than anything. They don't feel like they're taxing your body when you're drinking them. And we got into them and realized that Colorado had a limited selection of wine when we were going there, considering what we were used to in New Orleans and, and Maine, where I live. And uh, so we just asked a couple people about how to import the wines that we wanted to get in there, and we figured out how to do that. So we're distributing the wines that we like in Colorado, and they're all naturally produced, and 
beautiful. And, uh, yeah, Benny's out there doing it. He's living there doing it. So it's great. And it's Benny and Zoid Selections, right? That's right. Benny and Zoid Selections. We, we're doing party, party packs. We're starting to expand our, our, uh, shipping capabilities and like, yeah, we're doing some cool stuff. We're going to do some online tastings where I'm going to be actually playing music from my house. And it'll be live music while you taste. Everybody drinks the same bottle. Word. We'll, we'll definitely uh, put a link in the show notes, Benny and Zoid Selections. I know, like, between you and Benny and my fiancé, uh, all proponents of natural wines, I'm a, become a bit of a fan of late so i appreciate you you know making me aware that there's a less uh toxic and less self-destructive way to enjoy a glass of vino or two than some yeah i mean i mean you know wine has always had this like uh kind of stigma that it's like this pure thing that's old old you know old world and no matter what the bottle's fancy enough that it's gonna be that but like and com- like commercial wine making is really sketch and people put crazy things in wine that people know about and uh there's no regulation and it's just it's just something to pay attention to like people pay attention to their food so much it just goes you just got to kind of like expand that and and uh it works with the wine too so word well appreciate you know you putting that on our radar uh, a little birdie told me, and, and I can edit it out if I'm out of line here, that there might be a a Jesus and Tycoon and Zoid project happening in some capacity. I mean, we yeah, Ty's been sending me massive amounts of music, and Jesus is on a lot of it. And, yeah, it's been great. Like, I've been just improvising over it with my synths and doing whatever I feel like doing and sending it back. and. They kind of arrange it and sit with it. So I think we're going to have like a record's worth of stuff. But who knows? I don't know. Well, the people would love to hear it if it does see the light of day. And uh, I just wanted to ask about it just to hear if it was really a thing or just a... Oh, I, I think Ty's pretty excited about putting like an actual record together. So I have a feeling it'll probably happen. Dope. Well, we'll definitely keep our ears peeled. And uh, as I told you, this is kind of like a uh, celebration of Deitch's birthday in lieu of being able to give him a dirt birthday gift um, with the album coming out. We had his parents on and a great interview with Adam. And of course, uh, you know, you've been working with Adam, not just with Lettuce, but with uh, the Adam Deitch Quartet, which is fucking bananas incredible that i've had the privilege of watching you know sort of come to life over the past six years or so you've done a number of break science live band things and a bunch of stuff um just if you wouldn't mind talking about just whatever it is that that draws you to create with adam you know for so long in so many capacities i mean meeting adam was one of those moments in my life that just like completely changed the trajectory of my career and vision of who I was in music. I mean, he, uh, uh, yeah. So like every drummer I played with after that first five week program that I met Dai Chat, I was just like disappointed with, you know, like I just couldn't, it just wasn't the same. 
And it was kind of like a, it was a burden for me for a while. It was just like frustrating for me to, pl to play a gig with another drummer because it just was never as, as tight. So, yeah, I mean, and then I, I went to his parents' house, 18 years old, um, right before or during when we were at our first year at Berkeley. And uh, it was this like, normal ranch house and such a super neat setup, a piano when you walk in, you know, in the corner, instruments everywhere, but not like taking, they hadn't taken over the, the first floor of the house when you walk in. It just seemed really normal. And then we have breakfast with Bobby and Denise and we go down, we're like listening to all this cool jazz and Denise is singing the solos and then finish breakfast and we all go downstairs and we jam for like an hour and a half, just like bass, drums, two drum kits, kungas, keys, everything set up and ready to go, you know? And that point on, I was just like, so <laughs> my perspective of music and life and, and learning and, and uh, just like what the, what the actual epitome of, of like the American dream was, was it got flipped upside down at that point, you know? Um, also, just being around Deitch when I lived in New York, we were, you know, he'd, he'd be making beats, and I would just go visit, hang out with him when he had his apartment in, in, on, you know, 25th Street in, in Manhattan, and then, and then in uh, Greenpoint, we were just—he was just like making massive amounts of music constantly. So, as much time as as I had to go out you know I, I could i could do it and, and learn a lot so there was, a, there was a good a good part of my life there where i was i was just like from the dude who's just making the most crazy amounts of, of music all the time and it was just hard to keep up with but he, would, he was always inviting me in to be a part of it so um yeah just lucky to know that guy and uh yeah that's awesome man that's a really just wonderful reflection and just a look inside of the embryonic connect between you and adam of course his parents and and in light of the fact that they're all on this episode um and you know, man, the, way, the way that they approach teaching and, and inviting people into music is is on such a high level and it all comes from love, really, and, and um, you know, positive encouragement, you know, and um, positive reinforcement. And they, they're the masters of that. And uh, Deitch is a perfect example of, of what that energy can, can empower in a, in a kid, you know. So he, you know, they 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 exposed him to so much music and so much good energy that you know he's, you hear it in, in in everything that he's doing, and he's producing so much music. None of us know the. <laughs> I, I can't even imagine what the vaults of Deitch music has has come to at this point. Someone needs to get in there and uh, make sure this is all backed up. Is what I'm saying. Yeah, once again, from your lips to jaw ears, and hopefully Adam's, and maybe you can uh, 
have someone back that up if it isn't already. But that was just such an amazing uh, way for us to wrap up that um, normally I ask a question at the end. I'm just going to give you the abbreviated version. Is there any uh, music that's really uh, getting you through the uh, quarantine? Is there a record or a a song or an artist that you want to tell the people they should check? Man, so many records. But, you know, I have a really nice pressing of Still Bill. And, and you know, the day Bill Withers passed, I just started running it. And I've been just trying to put myself in a place where, you know, you're putting a record together that's that, that uh, just incredibly monumental in American music at that time. And, and, and yeah, that record's been really inspiring lately. And then I've been also watching that, um, that band. Um, there's a, there's a performance of that, of them right after that record came out. It's one of the few performances of Bill Withers live. It's on YouTube. James Gadson and and those guys are playing those songs with so much heart and soul and it's to me it's like the the apex of of American music at that and Bill Withers was able to capture that in such a classy cool way and that wasn't sensationalized and uh, I've really just been digging into that honestly. <clears throat> Right on, man. That's awesome that, uh, you know, you've been reconnecting with that. Yeah, truly, like you said, monumental piece of work that's stood the test of time, like really few albums, period. So I think that's a great way for us to go out. Yeah. Man, I wish we were uh, seeing each other in Swanee in New Orleans, but man, it was just such a joy to rap with you for, you know, 40 plus minutes. I feel like we just scratched the surface and uh, we'll have to do it again, hopefully in person. But uh, I know the people really appreciate you opening up and I know it's late there on 420. So you're probably ready to uh, call it. Oh, man, I'm having a great time talking to you, man. Anytime. Right on, brother. Well, it's again, an honor, a privilege, man. I, I want to say on the air uh, that you're really one of my most treasured friends. And I mean that. And it's not it's not something I say lightly. Uh, you've always been like a fucking bro to me since really we first connected. And I've learned a lot from you and I really value our friendship. And, you know, besides being the biggest fan of you as an artist, I am just I really I love you. So thank you. Thanks, B. I love you too. I love your knowledge of the art, and I, I really respect, you know, your your approach to it. And uh, and I'm always excited to talk to you about it because it's always a, a it's always an exciting, fun back and forth. You know, it isn't just a just a one way thing. So well, I appreciate yeah, that, man. Always- right on, man. Well, take care of yourself. Uh, much love to you and your daughter. And, of course, the band and the crew. And, you know, we look forward to the Resonate dropping. You know, just a few days after this drops, it'll come out. And uh, yeah, yes. then, then we can talk about it some more. And, uh, you know, jaw willing, uh, we can dance to it live and direct sometime soon. Yeah, what would you think of that Toyon record? Oh, dude, great. And I was going to say thank you uh, for putting me on. 
it's really awesome. And that, you know, there's just such a, um, snapshot in time for like a dance hall artist before like, you know, got super aggressive and, and sort of cheesy. It's yeah. a, it's like that mid eighties vibe. He's so positive too. He's so, he's so great. Yeah. I was totally unaware. That was another but one of those tough. things. Yeah. He's, uh, he's tough, but he's, he's positive the whole time. It's great. I love that dude. Funky. Funky as ever. Yeah, man. And it's early scientists, you know? Um, anyway, sorry. Yeah, sorry. man. No sorries, man. We, we take all the gems you care to share, man. And I was so grateful. I came back to Alicia. I'm like, yo, uh, Toyon, we got to bump it right now. It said Zoid's favorite dance hall record of all time. And yep. Out West was one is the record, man. It's amazing. Right on, man. Well, yeah, I know you're an archaeologist and, you know, maybe one of the next times that we talk for the pod, we can dive deep into the, into the island vibes. I tell, like, you know, they say I tell is vital, low tell is fatal. So with that, uh, <laughs> We'll catch up soon, my friend. Thanks again, dude. You're the man. All right, I'll talk to you soon, man. Peace. Peace. Yes, indeedy. want to say thank you to my man, Ryan Zoidis. That was incredible. And I am so grateful that you took the time and got on the vine deep into the 420 night out there in Portland, Maine, and chopped it up like we just did. So a third deep bow of gratitude in order, Ryan Zoidis. We love you. Now, like we always do about this time the vibe junkie jam of the week is upon us this has been a super long episode so i'm not going to wax philosophic like i did last week conveniently enough last week i told a 10 plus minute story about break science adam's project with borum lee and played a few tracks including uh the vibe junkie jam of the week once in a while acoustic Um, But I could not have an Adam Deitch birthday extravaganza without a little break science. So you're hearing Android Love, a beloved track from their last full-length LP, Grid of Souls. Check out their new, like, uh, living room mix that they just put out on their different networks and socials. Pretty sweet, kind of vibey, housey thing. And uh, wanted to make sure that we show love to my man Borum Lee because... One day we want to have him on the Up For Life podcast too. I'm a huge fan of everything he does. You can check him out doing a duo routine with Benny Bloom on live streams during the quarantine. But for the Vibe Junkie Jam of the Week, we're going to use the two tracks that Adam referenced in his interview. House of Let, off of Lettuce's forthcoming full-length album Resonate, May 8th. It's the third single. You can hear it on all their channels and networks as well. And of course, Space Dust, from Adam Deitch's forthcoming solo electronic production effort entitled The Age of Imperfection, coming soon. Played a lot of that material in that Sofa King Fest live stream that I uh, referenced and played earlier. 
This is Android Love Break Science featuring Lettuce. I'm your host, B. Getz. This is the Up Full Life Podcast. This episode covered me in a good dream. Love each other, love yourselves, live your up full life, and we'll see you next week. Thank you.